Greetings, friends, and welcome to the program. You're listening to the What's Right Show, coming to you live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Before we get to everything going on today, the my office here that I broadcast from was unceremoniously tagged overnight, reviving in me the desire to take these taggers and, <laughs> well... Let's just say uh, uh, those canings that they do over in Singapore uh, is something that we could think about doing here in Vegas. Would certainly clean up parts of the city very quickly. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, you know, this is, I understand every city has vandalism, every city has crime, every city has these people with their insufferable spray cans that come and uh, go on to your property that you maintain and love and take care of and beautify, not just for your own sake, but for the entire neighborhood and community. And they come in and they they start spraying up walls and defacing everything they can, they can get their hands on. And uh, let me tell you, it's it's frustrating. We have this building next door. I'll say this. This is a an interesting point a lot of you may not realize because when you're driving around in downtown lots of buildings like mine for example are beautiful and they are well maintained and taken care of and then next door will be this eyesore building and I have people ask me Sam what is this all about why is there an eyesore building next to a obviously very expensive building and there's a simple answer for this and that is that there are landlords, some local, mostly out-of-towners that bought a building for 500 grand a few years ago. Now it's worth, let's say, 2 million. They think it's going to keep going up and up and up, and they're not putting any money in it. It's just sitting there, and it's an attractive nuisance. It's got homeless living in it. It's, it's, got, it's falling down. It's creating problems. It's an eyesore. And, uh, you know, there's got to be ultimately in order to revive downtown, there has to be some system of fines and levies that are, I don't know, that are, that are, that will, I think, encourage landowners, property owners who aren't doing anything to beautify the neighborhood to, to at least, at the very least, make their properties from the outside look, look nice and presentable. All right. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, local attorney here in Las Vegas and radio host from 1 to 3, uh, Monday through Fridays. All right, we've had a whole 24 hours without a bank failure. That's right. An entire day has passed uh, without the failing of a major bank, and that I think the Biden administration is taking for good news. Now, what they are not missing is an opportunity for the usual demagoguery because the response of the left whenever there is economic crisis is for more regulation. And the reason this is absurd and it is, uh, well, it's just silly is because <laughs> there already is an enormous amount of regulations on the books and the regulation didn't do anything. Regulators 
frequently, and in particular in the case of these recent bank failures, failed to enforce existing regulations. They just didn't do it. Instead, uh, things were allowed to skate and pass by. It's almost inconceivable that for the failed SVB board, bank board, there was only one member who had a career in investment banking. The rest were all Obama and Clinton mega donors. <laughs> there was one lady who was on the board who, when Trump won the election in 16, she made a big public spectacle of cleansing herself at a Japanese Shinto shrine. All right, so she was she was uh, beside herself over the fact that Trump had won and Hillary had lost, and uh, and 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 anyway, the, the, there are stories like this that are that are knee deep. Only one person, a guy named Tom King, who was sixty three years old, was on the Silicon Valley Bank board, and he and only he had experience in banking. The other people were all political puppets. They were all, you know, just, these are activists. Now, you might say, well, what what does the board matter? Well, the board is the one that holds the CEO accountable. So when you hear all these stories today about how the CEO was asleep at the wheel, was taking on an, an unnecessary uh, measurable quantity of risk. The CEO works at the pleasure of the board, and the board represents rank and file shareholders. The ba- the board is the is the entity is the body that can fire and hire CEOs. And so, what occurred here is that the bank CEO probably and the and then the chairman and the CFO got together and stocked the board full of people that don't know banking, don't know economics, are like-minded political activists. And then these people almost, and perhaps may still, bring America to its knees economically through their failed uh, and bad, poor business practices. Now, there was a venture capitalist on the board, Kate Mitchell. She's the one that went to the Shinto shrine when she found out Donald Trump won in 2016. She's been on the board since 2010, donated $50,000 to Hillary Clinton in 2016, and then cried in a big public spectacle when Donald Trump, the great, won (laughs) six years ago. She had a, um, uh, she put out a quote when that happened. I prayed for me and us to get beyond our grieving and shock and to figure out how to engage and listen to what happened and come back together, Kate Mitchell said. So she was all in for Hillary Clinton, and uh, that's great. But at no point did this lady do anything to hold accountable a CEO who was clearly engaged in self-dealing and and not managing risk appropriately at a very major bank. So what does does, uh, Biden have to say about all this? Because this is where it gets good. Biden uh, yesterday 
spoke about this, uh, and one of the things that he said is he is desperate. He is committed to getting to the bottom of who got these banks in the predicament that they are, who created this financial problem. He is going to find the real killer of these banks. Uh, this is good. Listen. There are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. This sounds like OJ. Remember after he was acquitted, OJ got up there and he says, I am committed to finding out the real killers of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. And anybody that had half of a brain back then kind of rolled their eyes and said, well, okay, look in a mirror, buddy. So Biden here says, we're going to find the people who are responsible for this. Okay, well, why don't you first start with the people that are your mega donors? Start with the Biden Democrat Party activists, because that's the majority of the board of the bank who was all of them who were asleep at the wheel when the stuff was going on and going south. And, and then more importantly, remember what I said yesterday, the administration, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and of course also Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, for months and months when we all knew that prices were going up, what did they keep telling us? They kept saying that there's nothing to see here, folks. There's no, there's inflation. No, this is, this is just transitory. It ain't no thing. Just go about uh, your, your day and everything's fine. These are people, of course, they're all multimillionaires. And for the rest of us that are going over to Albertsons and to, well, Kroger's and, and Smith's and buying our groceries and going, oh my gosh, this is, I bought the same stuff I bought last week. It's like... Oh, I can feel a little more money this week. What, what did we do? You go over your bill and you say, well, this is all the same stuff. This costs more money. You know, if you had millions of dollars in the bank, it's not going to hurt as much. For everyone else, it hurts. It's real. So everybody knew there was inflation. Everybody knew it was real. And at the same time, not only are these people in the Biden administration signaling, telling us, you and I, lying to us, right? Oh, there's no inflation, and don't worry, we're not going to step in and do anything. They are then doing the same parallel thing, but in more technical terms, speaking to the banking industry and telling them, hey, this inflation thing is, is going to go away soon. We're, we're confident it's going to go away. It's not going to require any rate increases. We will not see rate increases until 2024. We heard that over and over again. And it's on this basis. It's on the basis of these representations and statements by the Federal Reserve and, of course, by the administration led by Janet Yellen, who is the Secretary of Treasury. They're telling bankers this, and banks are going, okay, so we will buy these treasury notes and we'll buy them at you know at the rate that that they were being sold at or near zero and all of a sudden rates go up by points and points and points percentages right keep going up and up and it's that delta between what they're 
you know, what was the, the money that was in the system, the obligations were set at zero, but all of a sudden they were paying it at 4%, 5%. It's crazy. That created an enormous and is creating, this problem has not gone away, is creating an enormous problem. And so when Biden says he promises to get to the bottom of this, I, you know what? He needs to look in the mirror. All right, Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The West Right Show. I'll be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Live from beautiful downtown Las Vegas, Sam Rajofsky here. The What's Right Show continues here on News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve lawyers that share your values. All right, the banking crisis, in my opinion, is not over. So there are a lot of people today that are and the mainstream media, some of the financial types saying, wow, we really d- d- dodged a bullet here. The, listen, the, the fundamentals of this problem lie in the out-of-control uh, inflation numbers that we had uh, for pretty much much of all of Joe Biden's presidency so far having to do with the enormous COVID relief measure passed uh, back in 2021, dumping a ton of free money into the economy. Of course, to be fair, this nonsense started under Trump. We had the most incredible economy. We knew it was an incredible economy. We all felt it. Working people had, uh, for the first time, uh, IRA accounts, retirement accounts that were doing quite well. Home prices were up. Everything was great. And along comes COVID. Along comes this uh, novel coronavirus released upon the world. And the reaction, of course, from the left was to shut everything down. Now, Trump, this is one of those things that no matter how he tries to spin it, uh, you know, Trump got up there in front of all of us to see, and he said, we're going we're gonna to close down for a little bit and take a break. And in doing so, and I understand, folks, hindsight is twenty twenty, but in doing so, he opened this all up to what? He gave an, he gave an opportunity to the Democrats who wanted to see him gone to maintain the country in a state of closure to resist reopening. I remember the press conferences. I remember Trump saying, well, I really think we could reopen. If you said you wanted to reopen back in March, April of 2020, you were called a murderer. Now, this demagoguery that that revolved around COVID closures, it it was out of this world. You could not say that. If you opined that you thought maybe these uh, extended closures were were harmful, right? Uh, you you got called all sorts of names. Trust me, it happened to me because I was quite 
vocal about it here in Las Vegas. Uh, I thought that our city shuttered for as long as it was was uh, presented an existential threat. And what a lot of people didn't realize is at the same time that many of us were suffering, our kids out of school, our, our lives upended, relationships strained, isolation setting in, all of this stuff, right? Forget, of course, the economics of it all. At the same exact time, we had a local political force here, the Democrats in the Assembly and the Senate, and then Governor Sisolak, delighted by the fact that we were shut down because it gave them all sorts of special powers. One of the special powers, one of the opportunities, of course, that they got was to begin, well, not begin, to effect, begin and conclude their efforts to change how our elections are handled here. And so they took advantage of the shutdown, extended the shutdown, exaggerated the crisis, all in an effort to reach very clear political objectives, which have benefited them here in Nevada and other states as well, right? Because uh, f Democrats have the benefit of the unions. The unions are out there mobilizing their excellent, excellent vehicles by which uh, Democrats are able to reap votes, before, you had to pretty much pick, put people on a bus, pick them up in front of their house and say, hey, you, get in the bus, you're going to vote. Now you just have to say, hey, you know that thing you got in the mail, that little envelope? Here, just sign this here, boom, boom. There, Joe Biden, Steve Sisolak, bubbling. Okay, good, we're fine. Now just give me that envelope, sign your name. Yeah, perfect, we'll handle it from here. That system as it currently stands, benefits Democrats, which is why they're the ones fighting to not make any changes to it and, and, and claim here in Nevada that any efforts to overturn universal mail-in ballots is dead on arrival. That is what the Speaker of the House has said. Now, I'm just giving you this as one example of why the shutdown was extended. Crisis, right? A long-term crisis that has no end in sight, has the benefit of not just giving all sorts of power to governors, but also the ability for state legislatures to have a legitimate argument for why they need to uh, maintain and keep mail-in uh, mail ballot voting. But as a consequence, the economy was shut down. So what did the government do to appease people to keep that going? Well, they put all sorts, they gave us a bunch of free money and that free money did what? That free money started a dumpster fire, a.k.a. inflation. And we are now just beginning to pay the price. The pain has not come to haunt us yet. And I'm an optimist, friends. I know that America's best days are ahead of us. But there has to be a reckoning. There has to be a, a process by which we pay the piper for all of this really terrible uh, bad economics uh, that were you know, put forward by our politicians as a consequence of them extending the COVID crisis just so they could have some political wins. It is, it's really actually, it's, it's that bad. 
to be perfectly blunt. All right, don't go anywhere. We come back more on this and other stories here on News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The Voice Right Show. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury law, 702-820-1234. Uh, Speaking of being safe out there on the roads, today, listen up, Las Vegas. Okay, it's 135 now. Uh, So in about four hours, the freeways are all going to go to hell. And that's because uh, Brandon, um, a.k.a. Joe Biden's landing, landing at LAS at the airport, and there will be significant road closures on the freeways uh, heading around town. So starting at 5.30, from 5.30 to roughly 6.30, uh, the LVMPD is saying there's going to be some closures around the 215 westbound airport connector. The I-15 northbound between 215 and the U.S. 95, so right there in the Spaghetti Bowl area by downtown, right by my office. Fabulous. (laughs) And then uh, the 95 up to Summerlin Parkway. Uh, And then uh, Summerlin Parkway, both directions. And then, again, he'll be leaving at 7.30, uh, 8 p.m., going back uh, to the airport. So there you go. This reminds me, by the way, that Biden has put the kibosh to Trump's proposal to change the colors of Air Force One. Did you hear about this? You know, Trump's a plane guy. I keep telling you this. He's an aviation guy. He's always had a jet. He has, the the Trump plane that you see at all the rallies is, is in my view, one of the best uh, Boeings ever made, uh, the 757. Uh, It's a a great single uh, single aisle plane. large airplane and, and, and comes with usually very good engines on it. So it's a great airplane. So he, he has that as his personal private jet. So when he became president, he's one of the few true aviation enthusiasts and experienced general aviation guys to become president. So he got himself really into the whole uh, Air Force One project. You know, the U.S. Uh, Air Force One plane that has been in service now since George H.W. Bush the 747 is a little, uh, well, it's a little long in the tooth. All right, These things have been what since 1990 they've been around, and the new plane coming in is a an updated 747-800, and and Trump wanted to put new colors on it because the colors that are currently on Air Force One I think date back to the Kennedy era, and it's okay. I mean, it's become iconic because it's. It's a unique color combination. It's kind of white on top, and it has that funky, you know, sky baby blue color that goes over the cockpit and down the side of the airplane in a long stripe. The engine cowlings are blue as well. The tail is blue. It's all kind of that powder baby blue. Well, he wanted to change the colors to have uh, it be like a dark blue and a red and looks more like a business jet. Honestly, kind of looks more like his, you know, Trump Force One plane. And he was he was very into it. So Biden now has put the um, 
has canceled that, and uh, the new plane is going to look like the previous one. I don't have an update on to, as to when it will go into service. They're thinking a couple of years from now, so we'll see. But today, please be careful out there. Traffic will be horrendous. I remember right here at my office in the Arts District, we had a uh, vice presidential convoy when Kamala Harris went to eat at the end of the block here. We have a vegan place. Yeah, there's a vegan restaurant down the street. I've eaten there once, if you must know. You know, it's true to my thing. I'll try anything once. I'll try it one time and see if I like it. It wasn't my, it wasn't my cup of tea. So anyway, but yes, of course, uh, Kamala Harris came to town and had to go to the vegan joint. So it shut down our whole street here and uh, all the black SUVs and the ambulances, police escort, everything whizzing by her office here. And uh, she went in and ate a, 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 had some tofu and then hit the road again. Fabulous. All good stuff. So Biden's here in town. He's going to be talking about, uh, I think, prescription drug costs. As the economy melts down, he's, anyway, staying on on topic. And the debate, of course, the debate that is raging on the Hill is how much of this bank failure is Trump's fault. The Dems are so desperate to lay this all at Trump's feet. So, you know, one of the things, I mean, you get, of course, you get Elizabeth Warren, who is the senator from Massachusetts. She's, you know, Focahontas. We know her as the, yes, she's a, a trans Indian. And Elizabeth Warren is now uh, on the, can I say warpath? <laughs> I'm just, well, she's on a kick here to repeal the Trump regulatory relief bill. So she goes on last night with Rachel Maddow on MSNBC and starts ranting about rich bank multimillionaires and their own private jets. Yes, back to the airplanes. It's all about the private jets. Listen to this. Congress needs to roll back the Trump tax, uh, the Trump bank regulation relief. We need to we need to make a change in the laws because then that will affect the regulators, and the regulators will. Make sure that they are engaging in closer supervision over those banks. And that, in turn, will rein in any of the CEOs that think banking is a great place to get a multi-million dollar salary and a bunch of bonuses and your own jet plane. This is so uh, frustrating for me as a capitalist, as an American, as a freedom-loving patriot. My problem is not that CEOs get multi-million dollar salaries, get bonuses, and get airplanes. If you have a CEO that takes a bank from being a, I don't know, a, a, a $500 million bank and turns that bank by virtue of his or her shrewdness and hard work into a two, three, four hundred billion dollar bank. What is that person worth? And don't give me some stupid drivel about this person being, you can't have the CEO be paid more than 25 times the lowest employee. Uh-uh. That's nonsense. 
Of course you can pay the CEO tens of millions of dollars if they're bringing hundreds of billions of dollars in value to the company. A smart, focused, and ambitious board of governors for a bank are going to approve that salary all day long. I would if I sat on the board of a bank. But what you cannot have are people that are cozying up to the political insiders of the government in charge, a.k.a. Joe Biden and the merry band of Democrats, taking the bank for a ride, dumping their shares days before this bad information was released to the public that leads to the bank's downfall, cashing in their stock options, paying everybody their bonuses, and then going, oh, don't worry, our friends, the Democrats, are going to bail us out. That's my problem. That's your problem, too. We don't think that that's right. You can't have a, you know, you, you know it can't be capitalism on the way down and state subsidies on the way, uh, on the way up and state subsidies on the way down. It doesn't, you know, losses are not borne by taxpayers. And for every person that tells you, oh, these were not, these were not costs borne by the taxpayer, nonsense. The FDIC is a governmental organization. This is not like some private, you know, insurance fund. This is taxpayer money. So this is all very disingenuous, frankly, and, and, and it's demagoguery at, at its most fundamental level. And it's Elizabeth Warren who, who wants to, A, score points against Trump and also then get in her socialist talking points down with the rich, those evil rich people. She is – I just tell you, there is nothing more uh, egregious to me than relatively intelligent people because I count her among the intelligent ones, right? I, I, she's not stupid. She knows better. But she's truly evil because she takes every opportunity that she can to stoke envy and resentment between income classes that she can. People like her, of course, thrived during the communist revolutions that spread across Europe. Uh, first in Russia and then after the war across Eastern Europe. Uh, yeah, these, this is, these are straight Bolshevik talking points. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas. All right, I'll be back in a moment. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Hey there, friends. Good to be with you here on this suddenly rainy afternoon. Where did the sun go? This is frustrating. Come on. We're ready for pool season here in Vegas. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right show. As per usual, coming to you live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas, 1 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. That's right. We are on for two hours now every day, every weekday, and I'm loving it. Side note. Well, programming note. This Friday... The show will be live, but not from downtown. It will come to you from the Emerald Island Casino in beautiful downtown Henderson uh, over there on Water Street. I, I love this casino. I, I think uh, – I love the story of how that 
place all came together and we'll we'll have we'll have the founder there talking to us he's a great guy I uh, want to get into the success story that is that business it's very inspiring so i'm 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 looking forward to that and uh, I'll be there with Alan Stock, Ash, the attorney, my partner here at Sam and Ash Injury Law. She will be there and other guests as well. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to having uh, you guys hear from Tim Brooks, who uh, is a good friend, uh, founder of Emerald Island Casino. He and his family uh, brought that to life and have done a lot to make that historic Water Street district in Henderson uh, start turning into something special. So I, I'm looking forward to this. So Friday will be a little bit of a more, well, it's going to be a more chill show. I'll get into some politics too, but we'll have people stopping by and talking to, uh, to me and to Ash and to Alan Stock. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be great. All the people you love from 1 to 3 on Friday celebrating, of course, St. Patrick's Day. And if you'd like to come on down and meet us, we will be there broadcasting live from Emerald Island. So come find me and come say hi. All right, the economy. Remember when Team Clinton, not Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton in 1992 said to, uh, basically to uh, Team Bush, George H.W. Bush, that uh, it's the economy, stupid, right? This is a, a, a very uh, what was then considered a very vulgar summary of the state of affairs of what mattered to American voters. The million dollar question is: the next two years, what kind of economic pain is brought on us, and what is the net result of this politically for the folks that are in power? Now, I, I, I happen to think that I, I just don't – I don't think that the outlook for the next two years is particularly bright and rosy. I strongly believe that had Trump uh, been reelected, were he in the White House today, none of this would be happening. I do strongly believe that econ- economics uh, are influenced by psychology. The minute that Joe Biden came into office and he decided to – affect his radical left-wing agenda on the economy, start cutting oil leases. I mean, what's the, even if, I understand, I've gotten the emails from you folks, I I get it. Even if the actual gallons of oil production, barrels of oil production don't necessarily go down right away, markets are perception-based. What people believe what people think is where the future is headed dictates consumer spending patterns and in turn dictates how investors act because investors, people moving big amounts of money in the economy are trying to determine where consumer dollars are going to go. And, you know, they, there was two, there was a, when it comes to fuel, that was a perfect, that was a perfect storm because Obviously, we all recognize at the pump that prices were going up significantly, and it was tremendously painful and put the pinch on pretty much everybody living in this country. Now, why? It happened because the minute Joe Biden and his buffoons got into the uh, got into office, 
What did they start to, we're going to cut fossil fuels, green energy, F green energy, nobody can green energy. That's fine. You can talk about green energy as a, as a goal in a hundred years. Fine. Do green energy. But hell's bells, California can't even keep the lights on with its grid and they want everybody to go electric. More importantly, at the same exact time as Joe Biden was waging his war on fossil fuels, what else was going on? Well, the country was reopening. The country was, that's right. The country was coming out of COVID. The world was coming out of COVID. And what did that mean? That meant more people in cars, more people in buses, more people uh, in airplanes. And so the global demand for fuel suddenly shot up. So you have this perception that one of the largest oil suppliers in the world, us, under Trump, right? We were fully energy independent during Trump's term. That's where we got. It's one of the most incredible things that Trump was able to achieve during his presidency. So what happened? All of a sudden it started to tank and uh, these companies, oil companies, aren't, aren't able to invest or know that they even want to continue investing into a hostile climate where the president of the United States has declared war on them. So now that's, you know, now all of a sudden what, what happens? So there's a perception, that, a very real reality, the demand's going up in a perception and, and an actual reality then later that supply is going down. And what does Biden do? He goes hat in hand to the Saudis, goes, oh, pretty please. I know I, know I called you a murdering thug, <laughs> but I just can't, you just produce a few more barrels of oil. What a weak, weak move that was. Remember? So MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, guy responsible, no doubt, for the murder of Koshegi, the, uh, the writer, the journalist. I understand all that, right? But wait, these are the realities. So Biden, Biden was slamming the guy and then, then came around and wanted to make nice with him and said, well, would you spare us a, a few, few million barrels of oil? And they said, no. OPEC refused to increase production. And then, of course, the war in Ukraine. Now, this brings me to an important point. This is why I think politically Biden knows he's screwed. Because I don't know if you saw this, but last week, yeah, last week the Biden administration said that they were going to issue new leases for Alaskan oil fields. They were giving a new lease for major, major oil exploration production in a place that is known to produce a ton of oil. And um, and that's, I'll tell you, that is, that's a huge U-turn for Biden. And the only way to interpret that U-turn, the only way to view that is his people on the inside are starting to not so quietly freak out They're recognizing, while Biden's up there saying, everything's fine, the economy's fine, we're going to find who did this, we're going to get to him, don't you worry. Privately, behind the screens, behind the scenes, they're, they're scrambling. They are freaking out. I promise you, mark my word, because you don't go from going, I'm going to be the green energy president and screw oil production, you dirty fossil fuels jerks, you can all hit the road if you... You know, don't let the door hit you on the way out to going, oh, never mind here. We're going (laughs) to we're going to start we're going to start grinding up some caribou in in the Alaskan Arctic and um, and and drilling for oil. 
Yeah, big, big U-turn. All right, there's a legal case going on in Florida. Department of Justice putting on trial a guy who made memes. Yes, internet jokes. They arrested him in 2021, and he's going on trial. I'm going to tell you about this case. It is unbelievable that something like this could happen in the United States of America. This is straight out of Moscow. And it is exactly the kind of thing I am talking about when I tell you that the Biden administration Department of Justice is a thug organization. Sam Rajofsky, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajofsky here, lawyer, radio host, man about town, fighting for what's right here on the What's Right Show. Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., News Talk 840 KXNT. Friends, I'll tell you right now what isn't right. Back in January 2021, days after Biden assumed the presidency, ending Donald Trump's first term in office, his Department of Justice filed charges and arrested a guy named Douglas Mackey. Now, you may not know who Douglas Mackey is, but he's a guy who ran a very influential Twitter account uh, for about five years prior called Ricky Vaughn. And the Ricky Vaughn account was basically a a brilliant satirical meme account that was pro-Trump, very anti-Hillary, I'll say that. And he was able, I th- you know, by some accounts, people who study engagement following in media claim that his account was more influential than MSNBC at the time. And I think they're basic- basing that on the number of people that were both following and then repeatedly engaging with his account versus the number of people that watch every night uh, MSNBC, you know, programming, which is not a lot of people. So, um, and but you know, the, the way MSNBC, side note, I have to tell you this, I'm convinced that the way that they are increasing their viewership rates is by counting all the people that identify as they, them twice. See, because by that metric, uh, MSNBC is really killing it out there. So, Nonetheless, the people at the DOJ for years took notice of this account, and the minute that Trump was out of office and Biden was in, they saw their opportunity and they pounced. The press release that they put out, let's see, when was this? Yeah, the Justice Department, yeah, they put this out. They arrested him, I mean, four days into the uh, Biden administration Administration of uh, start of their administration. This is not not an instance. This is very. The timing is, I would say, pretty suspect. They literally waited for Trump to be out of office and then struck. They arrested, according to their press release, Ricky Vaughn, uh, 
a.k.a. Douglas Mackey of West Palm Beach, Florida, charging him by criminal complaint in the Eastern District of New York, was taken into custody. Quote, according to the allegations in the complaint, the defendant exploited a social media platform to infringe one of the most basic and sacred rights guaranteed by the Constitution, the right to vote, said Democratic Party activist, I'm sorry, DOJ lawyer Nicholas L. McQuaid, acting assistant attorney general of the Justice Department's criminal division. This complaint underscores the department's commitment to investigating and prosecuting those who would undermine citizens' voting rights. <laughs> what did what did Douglas Mackey, aka Ricky Vaughn, what did he do? Well, among other things, he apparently circulated images which, which suggested that someone could vote by texting the word Hillary to a phone number. Uh, if you're so stupid that you think that that's how you can vote based on what a conservative described in the mainstream media alt-right disinformation king, quote-unquote, is putting on his Twitter account, you don't deserve the right to vote. You are such an idiot. Yeah, we don't even want to hear from you. I don't care what your political views are. <laughs> By the way, I dug around a little bit. Going back to 2016 and 2020, there are tons, and I mean hundreds of examples, of memes put out by leftists targeting Trump supporters with the same exact gag. It's obviously satire. And as a lawyer, let me explain to you something about satire in the First Amendment. It's protected. In fact, most speech is protected. Certainly protected from the chilling effects of federal criminal prosecution. Now, the code section that it is alleged Mr. Mackey violated is USC 241. This is a KKK-era anti-violence law, 100 years old, that has never before been extended to include speech. I had to print it up here because they don't teach about this kind of stuff in law school, and I'm, you know, I wanted to look at what the code itself said. Yeah, so the original citation back from uh, June of 1948, republished in 1968, it's been updated a few times. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person of the state in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession of the district, and free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution, or... It goes on to say two or people go in disguise on the highway. Huh. Go in disguise on the highway? <laughs> Does that apply to drag queens, Robbie? Can't have any... <laughs> two or more drag queens uh, on... Yeah, on the, on the 95. That would be a problem. If, <laughs> just, I... This is absurd. It's obviously referencing the Klan, all right? Two or more people on a highway wearing costumes. Okay. To prevent or hinder his free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege. So, 
putting on my, my lawyer translator hat and put this all in English for you. This law says that if two or more people get together and conspire and plan, right, to deny anybody their rights. It's very vague, right? Very vague. Or alternatively, if they uh, go upon a highway wearing some fancy clothes, disguise, whatever, and try to do the same, conspire to prevent somebody from enjoying the, the fullness of the rights afforded them uh, in the Constitution, then they're guilty of this thing, of this law. Now, if I was forced to argue this case, I would ask that the lawyers that filed these charges, including the Attorney General of the United States, be brought up on the same code violation. Because as best as I can see, uh, he, together with others in the Department of Justice, conspired to intimidate an American citizen from exercising his First Amendment rights by virtue of filing federal criminal charges against him. The people that ought to go to jail are the people in the Department of Justice, not the blogger. This ought to infuriate you. I don't care if you're a Trump voter or a, you know, or a Hillary voter or a Biden voter. God bless you for um, that shortage of, of wisdom. But I, look, it doesn't matter if you believe in the Constitution. This is absurd. Now, what does the mainstream media say about this? Oh, good thing I came prepared today. The Southern Poverty Law Center. Ah, uh, yes, these douchebags. They put out a statement about this that has been picked up by every single media outlet left of center that said this. Alt-right disinformation king faces trial. The DOJ filed charges against Mackey. It says um, that he, uh, he conspired, they conspired to spread, quote, misinformation designed to deprive individuals of their constitutional right to vote. Now, they're going to have to prove that he got together with other people to put this stuff out there that he didn't just create a meme. Conspiracy requires two or more people. No matter what your pronouns are, uh, an individual who goes by they, them, for example, cannot be guilty of a conspiracy if he or she, it, they, them, whatever they're called, uh, did not in fact get together with another separate physical person to discuss their intended nefarious deeds. They're lamenting the fact that this person, this is the Southern Poverty Law Center, lamenting the fact that this November 2016 stunt, Mackey, where Mackey encouraged people to vote for Hillary Clinton by text message, disseminating an online flyer. Okay, disseminating an online flyer, it's, it's a tweet. You, God, these people, I, it's a lot for me, folks, sometimes. I, eh. So they're saying that this guy basically, uh, you know, through the through the election for Trump. Mind you, this is four years after the entire Russia collusion plot line completely disassembled on them. And they cannot still, to this day, in 2023, accept the fact that in 2016, Hillary Clinton was an absolutely atrocious candidate who lost on her own merits. 
They have to perpetuate this narrative that Hillary Clinton only lost the election because of Russians and some dude, right, named Mackey in Florida who had a popular Twitter account. And they're saying this is a criminal charge. Absolutely insane. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, Talk more about this on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Friends, uh, welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Yes, that's me. Uh, This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Uh, Look, uh, this social media influencer who was charged back in January of 2001 with uh, using his account to deprive people of their of their American inalienable constitutional rights, citing a 100-year-old anti-KKK law, the DOJ itself engaging in the very conduct that they accuse this man of doing. Namely, they are prosecuting somebody for literally speech. Putting out memes says text this number and it'll be your vote. Your vote is as good as gold for Hillary Clinton. It's patently ridiculous. It's satire. It's covered by the Constitution. It is absolutely protected under the First Amendment, and it's impermissible for government to interfere in it. Now, those of you reaching out to me uh, right now and and asking me all, I've got a few different emails here of kind of the same gist of it. So I'm going to answer it. By the way, my email, sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Please reach out to me with questions, comments, or concerns. I do always try to respond to you. And if there is a question during the show, I will respond to it on air. The questions I'm getting here is, well, what happens? What if he gets convicted? Because of course, this is in New York. So all those New Yorkers are going to throw this Trump guy under the bus. I'm going to say, well, this never was about a conviction or, or not a conviction. Because even if he gets convicted, his uh, post-trial appeal is, I think, guaranteed. <laughs> the Supreme Court will want this case so quickly and assert his right to say whatever he wants, okay? He's not depriving anybody of their rights by, t- by, by making funny memes and jokes on Twitter, By the way, the Supreme Court case, when it does get there, you might find some of the justices writing in their, either in the uh, in the majority opinion or in their concurring opinions, might write something to the effect of all the examples that weren't prosecuted that were from the other side of the aisle of people doing similar things. That leads me really to the point I wanted to make, that this wasn't about obtaining a conviction. This was about economically and you know, financially destroying this person that these people, these politically motivated actors in the Justice Department view as their enemy. This guy to these DOJ Biden people is the enemy. And what they did is they got themselves into a position of power 
And then on behest of the president and the Democratic Party, they are going after their enemies one by one. And Congress, once this case runs its course, conviction or non-conviction, doesn't matter. Of course, getting a, you know, getting this getting this kicked out by the by the jury would be great. I'm not so sure. I think there's a chance of a conviction based on political bias. Uh, this is going to be trials taking place in New York City anyway. Uh, but I'm 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 saying this. I just I I think the real effort here is to is these guys. They don't care whether they they convict this guy. They don't care if they're right or wrong. They are pursuing political means and using the power of the federal government to achieve it. It is this type of action affected by Team Biden that is so despicable. And I mean, it's listen, it's it, they are they have done more to erode the rem, any remaining trust that the American public have in the institutions of this country than any other administration in the history of the United States. It's precisely this kind of case, which you, by the way, are not hearing about anywhere in the mainstream media because they want to quietly let this one just slide by. And yet, you get into some of the news reports that were published two years ago when this guy was arrested and very, very laudatory. Now, the reason that they've gone quiet now is that when this started as a prosecution back in January of 21, what was going on? The January 6th uh, narrative, Democratic narrative, was in full force. The public was outraged by Trump and the Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol and tried to subvert democracy. And now we're getting all the way into March, middle of March of 23, and suddenly the narrative begins to fall apart. No, we know this. And as it's falling apart, this prosecution of someone exercising his First Amendment rights is, you know, starting to stink. And that's why the mainstream media isn't running and leading with the story. They are starting to back up a little bit. But we cannot let them do that. I will not let them do that. This program exists to hold these people accountable. We do not live in a free country if someone cannot make a political joke without fear of being prosecuted and put in jail for 10 years. Now, side note, I need to say this here before the break. It's important for me because I have gotten these emails, too, from people going, but DeSantis wants to throw bloggers into jail. That is a nonsense story. There is one guy in the Florida legislature who put a bill forward in the Florida Senate that would require bloggers to register with the state. DeSantis has distanced himself from this bill. He doesn't like the bill. He do, he, he's expressed that he will veto the bill. So this is a – even the AP uh, article a few days ago, uh, AP's assessment, the claim that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis wants bloggers to register with the state or face fines, AP's assessment is false. Talks about Senator Jason Brodeur, not DeSantis, 
pushing the bill. The Republican governor said at a press conference that he does not support the bill. So there you go. Don't at me with DeSantis is doing the same thing. No, we should not, as conservatives, do the same thing. As conservatives, we ought to stand for the Constitution. We should let the other side express their stupid ideas. And if people are dumb enough to fall for them, well, so be it. And yes, by the way, if this law were to be upheld, this idea that just, you know, challenging facts or saying things that would potentially get in the way of people exercising their rights. Imagine me here speaking on this program about all the gender stuff, citing statistics. I could go to jail under this law. Shouldn't give them any ideas. By the way, I am going to talk about some gender statistics here when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. And friends, we can't forget, we cannot forget all of this economic pain, these banks that are going down, we're all linked to crypto. Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX, Democratic Party, mega donors, Bill Clinton, everybody involved in that mess, and they want to blame this on Trump. Give me a break. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. If you are out on the roads tonight around 530 to 630, and you get rear-ended by Joe Biden's limousine leaving <laughs> leaving the airport. Uh, yes, the airport formerly known as McCarran. Then please do call me right here, Sam at Sam and Ash. We will take care of you. We are not afraid of Joe Biden. We will sue him kidding i mean we would of course yes uh but stay away from uh anywhere where those uh presidential limos might be that will be a nightmare tonight folks nightmare metro saying that the freeway the i-15 uh, resort corridor will be closed from about 5 30 to 6 30 the airport connector will be closed and also the 95 there spaghetti bowl that giant mess right here by my office i'm looking at it in fact from my desk Ay ay ay. I think I have a billboard down there. So Joe Biden today will see me and Ashley. Probably pass three or four of my billboards on his way up to Summerlin. <laughs> I love it. Okay. It's talking just before the break about this guy Mackey. Mr. Mackey charged under an obscure hundred-year-old law that was written to prosecute the KKK for violence never before been extended to speech. Constitutional First Amendment scholar Eugene Volokh explains how there is no limit to how this law could be applied. Quote, U.S. Code 241 is also not limited to elections. It extends to anyone who, quote, conspires to deprive someone of their rights. Volokh explains, this means under this new inter interpretation, if you shared statistics... 
for example, about trans surgery regret or COVID or climate change in an effort to get a local school to disinvite a public speaker and law enforcement decided that you lied or knowingly spread false information. In order to deprive someone of their rights, you could be charged under this new interpretation of the law. Well, that's, of course, sounds crazy because it is crazy, and that is precisely what the Biden Department of Justice is doing. So I'm going to take this and say, I, I by the way, I think this law is, uh, as applied here, it is unconstitutional because, of course, the government absolutely can't regulate your physical actions. You can't go up to somebody and assault them. But you can go up to somebody and call them an idiot. That's allowed. So, you know, the idea that it's speech, and by the way, it is speech if it's on Twitter, if it's a meme, it's, it's, it's speech. It's a form of speech. So the idea that this guy's going to do 10 years in, in, in prison, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's gonna, this, if, if convicted, it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court and they will vacate this conviction, I have no doubt. Now, one of the things I want to bring up here is I mentioned – we talked about this this morning with Alan Stock, uh, host of Vegas at 8 right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Alan and I were talking about this article by Laura Duggan, and this uh, citing a Canadian psychiatrist named Susan Bradley. Susan Bradley, if you don't know this, she's frequently cited. She's – She's not a conservative person, okay? She, she, it doesn't matter. She's a clinical psychiatrist, and she is an early pioneer uh, in uh, gender dysphoric children. Uh, so she is a pediatric gender dysphoria specialist, and she's got her start all the way back in the 1970s. And, and one of the things that she's uh, come to the conclusion of is why it's newsworthy is that a majority of kids that are seeking out gender reassignment surgery, seeking to transition, are likely autistic. Now, here's a statistic that I might get into trouble for. Tavistock, the English clinic, the British clinic, only pediatric gender clinic in Great Britain, the largest in the world, by the way, operated by the public health agency there in Great Britain, was shut down last year, if you'll remember, because it basically came out that they were mutilating these kids with very little checks and balances. People walked in right away, were told, yep, of course, let's get you on these drugs. Let's get you set up for a, a gender-conforming surgery, which, of course, consists of doing irreparable harm to these young adolescent bodies uh, the allegation is that 97.5% of its gender patients over the years had autism if true it is absolutely horrific quote when we were seeing these kids from a very young age we had kids who would come into the clinic a little girl who thinks she's a boy or vice versa. It wasn't uncommon to find one that, of them that thought they were a dog or a cat or something else. Well, hell's bells. Well, that's the story I always tell you about my own daughter. <laughs> Oscar the dog is who she claimed she was for a few years, and we just played along with it, and then she grew out of it. As I've said many times, at no point did the wife and I go, gosh, we get her to some kind of a veterinarian here, and 
and uh, turn her into a, a you know, a, 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 I don't know, a corgi or something. Not going to do it. I didn't find out what kind of dog she wanted to be. We didn't let it get down uh, to so many details. Um, but these kids are showing up and they're, they're, they literally are saying the most absurd things about themselves, okay? And then, then they go through it and there is a growing number of people, of, of young people, that are reaching their late teens and early 20s who now regret what they've gone through because they came in as confused, as confused kids who had parents that were, uh, that were, that were playing this up or freaked out by all the fake statistics about how many trans kids go out and commit suicide. Well, truth be told, autism has been on the rise we can debate the reasons for that. So it would make sense that autism increasing would then also lead to an increase in the number of pediatric uh, gender dysphoria cases. But I, I, I'm, I'm just, th- this to me, now these statistics now, if you back to that law that this blogger is getting charged with, you start reading these kind of things. And the argument could be made that by sharing this, we are denying people their rights to be who they want to be and exercise their constitutional privileges uh, to, be, uh, to be who they want to be. That's scary. I want to remind you this. uh, According to Susan Bradley, people with autism tend to focus very intensely on their subjects of interest, have great difficulty letting go of something once they believe it's true. This makes autistic adolescents particularly susceptible to issues with their gender identity and body image. The solution here is that we abide by the time-tested adage that fools rush in. That we take time. That we look for other causes of these kids that are confused. And we don't just automatically go, oh my gosh, he wants to be a she. Let's fast-track him on drugs. These drugs are, as I mentioned this morning to Alan, extremely dangerous. They're frightening. They cause all sorts of problems unrelated to just your reproductive organs. They cause organ failure. They cause uh, problems with brittle bones. Some of these drugs are given to kids who have early onset puberty, and um, that's a, a, a fairly rare disorder but a, a real disorder. And so the, that's what these drugs were developed for, by the way, these puberty blocker drugs. And there is a major warning. You can go on the internet. This is something that predates all of the trans activists, you know, shrill uh, shout downs of anybody causing, anybody questioning this this stuff. Uh, there are, in the, in the context, not of trans kids, but in the context of treating kids who have early onset uh Puberty, it, it, it literally will go through all of the potential side effects, and it is frightening to the extent that at one point the, the medical uh, establishment said we probably shouldn't use these drugs. They, they, are, they are that harmful. But then along came this 
trans movement and, and all caution got thrown to the wind. Absolutely shameful. All right, so what's the solution to all this? Because it's not enough to just win in the court of public opinion. The next presidency has to fight this through action, administrative action, has to take the side of right because we cannot be quiet and we cannot just resolve to, to, to shout from the mountaintops and convince people. It's great that the criminals engaged in this, in this ongoing mutilation of our youth need to be held accountable. So I have some ideas there that I will share with you when we return. Don't go anywhere. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Yes, we're here. We're live. We're local. We're having fun. That really pisses everybody we're having a good time. Uh, the fact of the matter is, listen, I, I, I know I'm, I'm getting down on some of the stuff. Uh, I, I want to reaffirm my belief that our best times are still ahead of us in this country. I think that we can get this back on track. Uh, one of the ways that we do that, of course, is by not playing the usual Republican playbook. Republicans might have as uh, their motto, as their emblem, the elephant. We know, of course, that uh, you know Democrats have a jackass, which is perfect, but Republicans have an elephant. But truthfully, judging Republican leaders over the last 50 years or so, with few exceptions, I think that the Republican Party animal mascot ought to be the possum. Because Republicans have an absolute uncanny ability to run on a solid platform that is conservative, that, well, on its face, intends to advance a conservative agenda, and then they get into office and they immediately proceed to play dead. It's astounding to me. They get caught up with words like bipartisan. Bipartisan. Oh, yes, lovely. What does that mean to you? I know what it means to me. It means Democrats doing, uh, Republicans doing what Democrats want them to do. Going, okay, all right, well, we'll do that. We'll make friends with you. And the Democrat goes, okay, great. And then it comes time for the uh, Democrats to do what the Republican wants. Says, no, hell no. What? Meet you halfway on guns? Forget about it. So, you know, and, and, and of course, you, you, you vote a guy like Joe Biden in. And he pledges to be the nice guy. I'm going to be the nice guy. I'm going to be the healer. I'm not going to be like the orange man. I'm not going to. I'm going to be better than the orange man. I'm going to come in. I'm going to love everybody up. And then immediately begins to throw Republicans and conservatives into jail. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. So, do I propose throwing Democrats in jail? Some of them, yes. Now, I don't propose violating people's constitutional rights. I don't like that at all. But I absolutely believe that in instances where people are violating the law and engaged in political conduct that they think exempts them from following the law, that they ought to be held accountable. I, for example, happen to think that these doctors 
that are taking 12-year-old kids that are just entering puberty and doing double mastectomies on these girls ought to go to prison. I think that's assault and battery. I think it's, it's mayhem. I think it's, um, I think it's criminal conduct. I think it ought to be prosecuted, plain and simple. I think that these procedures ought to be outlawed, outlawed. And that is precisely the kind of non-candidate but politician that Ron DeSantis is. He's a guy that's coming in and he's saying, look, I'm going to put my foot down. CRT being taught in high school? No. And then you have the Democrats, oh my gosh, it's book burning. He's a book burner. He's basically a Nazi and First Amendment. These are the same people that are literally citizen of Florida, a, a U.S. citizen living in Florida, putting him on trial for putting out memes. And these are the people screaming about the First Amendment when it comes to uh, DeSanna saying, no, there's a legitimate state interest in us not making America haters and racists out of an entire generation of public school youths. See the difference? There is a plan that needs to happen here. And it's funny, a guy named Christopher Rufo who writes about CRT extensively in anti-woke policies, uh, put together an, a, a, a plan for this. Some of this I, I agree with. He's, he's listed five concepts for what he believes will have to happen with the next Republican conservative administration. And, and one of the first things he says, you're just going to need anti-woke executive orders. Executive orders should eliminate DEI diversity, equity, inclusion, bureaucracies from the federal government. I would start with the military, by the way. Number one, I don't need DEI in the military. I need K-I-L-L when it comes to the military. I want a military so fearsome that China literally does something in its pants just thinking about the, the idea of facing off against us. Right now, they're laughing. They're going, <laughs> they've got, they're more concerned with all the transsexuals and, and gay guys and, 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 and you know, these, what they look like and who they are and what their identities are than with their ability to fight in battle. LOL. So any programs that promote any form of activism, left-wing or otherwise, it would be out, get it defunded, move it out of the government. Reforming civil service laws. Make bureaucracies more accountable to the president. You have to go after these universities and corporations that are violating civil rights laws under the guise of diversity, equity, inclusion. Remember this. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a cover for discriminating against broad swaths of this country in the name of anti-racism in the name of progression, in the name of equity. It needs to end. University reform policy is another thing that Christopher Rufo lists. And then, I absolutely think defunding the left is, is correct, but I, I gotta, I, I've got to say this. 
you have to do what DeSantis does, and it, it, it kind of worries me when there are a number of other candidates not declared and also declared in the Republican race for the presidency who are putting out there various comments to the effect of, well, this isn't real conservatism. What, what DeSantis is doing, he's just going in there, and he look what he did to Disney. Look at what he did to Disney. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Disney is a beneficiary of benefits from the state of Florida. They need to stay out of politics. They attacked the state of Florida. They attacked the people elected by the state of Florida. They attacked them and then and kept attacking them, even though those people got reelected with even wider margins by the citizens of Florida. So they picked that fight. And then Gavin Newsom, by the way, side note, don't be a Newsom. You're always a day late and dollar short. He intends to do the same thing by fighting against Walgreens, you know, because Walgreens said, I'm not going to, we're not going to ship the morning after pill to states where it's not allowed because <laughs> I don't know if that's against the law. And then Newsom goes, well, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to be like DeSantis. I'm going to no, no business with Walgreens. Screw Walgreens. Hey, Walgreens didn't step into a fight. They just said, look, this is the law. We're following the law. I don't know. We're just a company. We don't want to go to jail. Apparently, according to Gavin Newsom, he wants companies to go to jail just for the sake of protesting against laws he disagree with, disagrees with. So this will all get very interesting, but we absolutely have to be proactive. And the DeSantis model is, in my view, the correct approach. Uh, for these times, nothing less will suffice. All right, friends, I'll be back tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. There is more great programming. Up next, here on News Talk 840. Be safe out there with Biden in town. Avoid him like the plague. See you later.